Welcome to the Marketplace Midland podcast, where we highlight a monthly speaker that shares helpful tools for all of us to integrate timeless biblical principles into our modern businesses. Oh man, that was nice. Can't believe so many people are here. Thank you for coming. Uh, I'm a big fan of this ministry. I, uh, what a great way to foster mentorship. Uh, we all have spheres of influence in our lives. Uh, a lot of you are probably single, hopefully going to be fathers. Some of you are fathers, some of you are grandfathers. But all of you have a sphere of in- influence in the marketplace. Uh, you can make a pr- profound difference in the lives of others. Uh, a lot of you here today, and I recognize a lot of you, have blessed me beyond measure in my many, many, many times of need. Today's program is really more about them than it is me. An elderly woman walked into a local church. The friendly usher greeted her and helped her up the front steps. Where would you like to sit, he asked politely. Oh, I want to be on the front row. Oh, you really don't want to be there. Why is that, she asked. The preacher is really boring. (laughs) Young man, do you know who I am? He said, no, I don't. I'm the preacher's mother. (laughs) Do you know who I am, he asked. No, she said. Good, he answered. (laughs) Right after I married Mary Jane, my mother-in-law said to me, boy, Am I glad you finally married Mary Jane? Thinking she was going to pay me a really fine compliment, I said, why is that? She said, well, Country Club, the street I lived on at the time, that's one of my birding group's favorite streets to walk every Saturday. And as long as you were dating Mary Jane, we couldn't do that. Why is that, I said. She said, well, I was afraid you'd look out the window and see me in your back alley with a pair of binoculars. So full disclosure, I'm not a public speaker. Uh, I'm not uh, uh, any kind of speaker at all. So I hope I don't bore you today. But God can and does use ordinary people to do his work. Uh, I covered your prayers this morning. Let's pray just briefly. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much, Lord, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I ask you, God, for your Holy Spirit to be with us today as we fellowship together. I ask you to open our hearts and minds, Lord, to hear what you might have for us today. Uh, Lord, and we lift all this to you in Jesus' name. There are several things I'd like to accomplish today. Uh, First, I want you to realize beyond a shadow of a doubt that God desires a personal relationship with you. I want you to, secondly, to know that you will face adversity in this life. But God wants you to be an overcomer, and he wants you to do it in his strength and not your own. Third, God wants you to have an abundant life, spiritually, your family life, and yes, even financially. And finally, what I want you to understand is is that God owns it all. My first point, personal relationships, they're very important. But a personal relationship with Jesus is the key to abundant life. 
I don't mean perfect church attendance. I don't mean church works. I mean a relationship with God where it goes from your head, that 18-inch journey, down to your heart. <clears throat> when Jesus gets into your heart, that's when your life is going to change. The power of God is going to begin moving in your life, and you're going to see miracles happen. I grew up in Lufkin, Texas. I was blessed to have a Christian family, but I was even more blessed to have a father and a grandfather and an uncle who knew Jesus in a personal way. They spent time with me. They shared life lessons with me. They prayed for me. They told me they loved me. They were successful businessmen, and they had a dynamic relationship with God. My dad was an entrepreneur. He, uh, he also, though, in his spare time, was a lay preacher. When, when pastors at these little small churches needed time off, he would go and he would preach that Sunday. My mother would play the piano and I would tag along. My Uncle Tom, he was, a, he was a successful home builder. He was a World War II hero, one of the most decorated men in Texas. One time in Colorado, I saw him lay hands and pray on one of my friends who was sick. And I was like, whoa, I want to know how to pray like that. As a kid, I remember men coming into my grandfather's feed store, and uh, they would talk to my granddad, and then they would go into his office, and they'd shut the door, and as a little kid, I'd go, I wonder what they're doing in there. What they were doing in there is they were praying. These men would come to my granddad, and they would share, share an issue, and he would say, let's pray about it. And they would go into his office and shut the door. One of my earliest memories as a child was standing at the screen door to their front porch and listening to my grandparents pray early in the morning. They would pray for their family by name. You don't know the power of having your grandfather pray for you by name as a little boy and you hear that. Unfortunately, when I went away to college, I drifted away from the way that I was brought up. Uh, I drifted into a fast lane lifestyle <clears throat> that my family would not have been proud of. Fun was the order of the day. A student needs a 2.0 in his major at the Texas Business School to graduate. I graduated with a 2.0. You get the picture. I began my career in Houston, uh, as Kyle so ably shared. There was an energy boom on I was blessed to change jobs several times. I kept getting hired away to go somewhere else. Each time, it almost doubled my salary and uh, benefits. Finally, I got uh, brought to Midland to help open Oxy's office here as their district landman. Uh, my social life continued to get faster, and it was moving in all the wrong directions. It was heady times for a young man, barely three years out of UT. We'd just been given another raise. I had a country club membership. I had a company car. Uh, there were hunting trips, fishing trips, parties to go to, private planes to ride on. Oil was on its way to $40 a barrel. These young guys here, this sound familiar? These young guys here are shaking their heads. Yeah, this oil business is easy, right? A lot of these young guys don't even know what a dry hole is, Kyle. <laughs> that all has changed. 
<clears throat> anyway, I continued to have a lot of fun. And uh, I lived as fast and as hard as my peer group would help me do. I was successful, but I was miserable at the same time. There was something big missing in my life. In August of 1980, my grandfather died. I was sitting out in front of the church in the car. I was thinking, and I felt like God spoke to me. It wasn't audible, but I knew that it was God speaking directly to me. And what he was saying was, is you can't fool him anymore. He knows the way you really are. I felt such remorse at that moment. <clears throat> I started crying. Uh, I was ashamed of the way I was living. I wanted the type of relationship with God that he had, but I didn't know how to get it. I came back to Midland, and I bought this Bible right here. You can see that I spent a lot of money. It's about the cheapest paperback I could find. It's a parallel Bible. I started reading it so much it fell apart. I have to keep it, I keep it in my office with a rubber band around it to remind me where I was. <clears throat> the more I read it, the more I wanted that special relationship with God. I wanted what my dad, what my granddad, what my uncle had. But I didn't know how to get there. So I prayed a simple prayer. And I just asked God to help me, to show me the way. And I began my search for that personal relationship. In the summer of 1983, I was showing a drilling deal here in town. Oil had crashed in 82, putting a lot of people out of business. Money was tight. Drilling budgets were even tighter. I had shown this deal to everyone in Midland, Dallas, Houston. I even went to San Angelo. No takers. But this is how God's work. I was seeking him, and God, I want you to know, God is always seeking you. I was walking into the post office in downtown Midland. A friend of mine, Mike Mundy, came walking out. He was a salesman. A lot of you know Mike. Great guy. Got a ministry of his own here in town. <clears throat> I did what every uh, upstanding young entrepreneur do. He asked me how it was going, and I said, great. I've got this fabulous drilling deal, and uh, I'm showing it. And uh, he said, you know, there's a couple of guys that have moved into town. They've got a two-man office over here. I think they might be interested in that. Of course, I'm thinking this deal's way too big for a two-man office. Showed it to a few more people, got a few more no's, and I went over to that office. And lo and behold, they took the whole deal. And what that did was, is that got me to California. My college roommate was Bobby Bledsoe, Bob's son. Bob's here somewhere. I don't know where he's at. But, uh, and Bobby had become a Christian. He had been witnessing to me. And I went to California to close this deal. And... Uh, Bobby introduced me to a man that, that had a large <clears throat> businessman's uh, ministry. And uh, those guys witnessed to me, and he gave me a little voice magazine, the magazine of this ministry, and I read it on the plane coming back. And, I mean, God started speaking to me through that magazine. And they had a retreat planned down in Fort Davis, Texas. And so I thought, well, I'm going to go down there because that's three and a half miles away from Midland. None of my friends will know that I'm there because I didn't want anybody to know that I was searching for the Lord. So I go down to Fort Davis. The speaker that night's a pastor by the name of Morris Sheets. 
he pastored a church in Lubbock, Texas, took it from 100 members to 4,000. He was pastoring a church at, in Dallas at the time. He gets up there to speak. I'm on the back row. I'm nervous about being there. I had listened to testimonies all that morning from businessmen like you, uh, men that I wanted to be like, I mean, successful guys. Uh, General MacArthur's personal pilot in World War II was there. Largest home builder in Houston was there giving his testimony. Men like that. That's what I wanted. Morris got up that night to, to be the keynote speaker, and he said, you know, I just got, got back home. I've been in Europe for almost a month, haven't seen my family. I'm tired. Uh, I've made this commitment to be down here. I didn't want to come. I didn't want to come. I went in my study and started praying and preparing for what I was going to say. <clears throat> and God told me there was going to be a young man there that was going to get blessed more than he wanted. When he said that, a warm feeling came over me. I knew he was talking about me. He gave a great talk that night, gave an altar call, and I did not go down. I just couldn't make myself do it. The next day, I listened to more testimonies from more men like you. That night, Morris got back up there and started, started his talk. <clears throat> and he said, I want you to know that man that's going to get blessed more than he wants is still here. I got a warm feeling. I started crying. When he gave the altar call that night, I went down. When he prayed for me to receive Jesus, if, 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 if you can feel revulsion and ecstasy at the same time, that's how I felt. I went in that room a three-pack-a-day smoker. God healed me of smoking right there that instant. I felt it leave. God changed my life in a huge, miraculous way that night. God wants a personal relationship with every one of you. He doesn't want you to have a head knowledge. He wants it in your heart. My second point, you will have adversity. Sometimes with a capital A. In James, the first chapter, it says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Later in that chapter, he says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. You will have adversity, but God wants you to be an overcomer. Upon returning from that retreat that weekend, I was on a spiritual high, but I faced a mountain of a challenge. My best friend from college, one of my best friends from college, David, was coming into town. He was due that following Friday. Before I had left for that retreat, I had set up our weekend for us, including the right kind of girls. However, after my experience, I knew that that life wasn't for me anymore. But I also wasn't ready to tell David that I had become a Christian. In my weakness, God intervened. God will work miracles in your life. About 2 a.m. on the morning that David was supposed to come, my phone rang. It was David. He said, Billy, as soon as he said that, I knew he'd become a Christian. He said, Billy, 
He said, I've become a Christian. He said, I can't come today if we're going to do what we've planned to do. I said, well, David, I've become a Christian too, so come on. And he came, and we sat, and we talked, and we talked, and we talked. God had brought us to his son Jesus within days of each other. Hundreds of miles apart, but within days of each other. But that's not really the miracle. Listen to this. Here's God's miracle working power if you get Jesus in your heart. God knew a year and a half before David and I became Christians that we were going to need each other's support if we were going to be maintain our Christian walk in a promiscuous world. And he put a real estate broker named Jeff in our path to make it happen. In the summer of 83, David was invited to, by his girlfriend to Second Baptist Church. <clears throat> While introducing him to our Christian friends out in the lobby, she introduced him to a commercial real estate broker by the name of Jeff. Jeff goes, haven't I met you somewhere before? David said, no way you've met me. I've never been here before. Uh, Jeff said, you know, I've, I've seen you somewhere. He walks off. He comes back a few minutes later, and he goes, I know where I've seen you. He said, I saw you down in old Mexico last year with another wild man, and you guys were partying like crazy. <laughs> the next week, Jeff invited David out to lunch, and he witnessed to him. David started going to a Bible study that Jeff had, a men's Bible study. And a few weeks later, Jeff led David to the Lord. After hearing that story, I went and I took out our photo albums from some of those trips. I'll be darned if there wasn't Jeff in the background of some of our pictures. God knew I was going to need the Christian support of my best friend David in October of 1983. And he put Jeff in old Mexico in the summer of 1982 to make sure it happened. That's a miracle. That's God working a miracle in your life. God wants you to be an overcomer. He wants it in his strength and not yours. Shortly after the birth of my daughter, Beth Ann, in 1997, we found ourselves in the neonatal ICU unit. Beth Ann was hooked up to life support. It seems that a blockage in her colon was threatening her life. After days on life support and every test known to man, the doctors really didn't have a firm diagnosis. All they would tell us is, is that it's either cystic fibrosis or it's Hirschsprung's. <clears throat> Having grown up with a child with cystic fibrosis as one of my friends, I knew that they had a very, very tough life and that they died at an early age. It was a helpless feeling. I began praying for Hirschsprung's. And I began praying for God to lead us to the best Hirschsprung's doctor there was. Not knowing what to do, we began <clears throat> networking through our friends, family, through our community Bible study prayer chain that I had. I mean, it's, that prayer chain goes around the world. <clears throat> and we let everybody know our need. I mean, within one day, we got a phone call. This man said, this is Ted Votler from Dallas, Texas. I've heard about your daughter. 
May I ask you a few questions? You see, we prayed for a Hirschsprung's doctor. God provided a man of power, influence, and action. Mr. Holmes, you just give me the word. I'll have the jet on the tarmac within a few hours, and she'll be in my hospital. I did, he did, and she was. You see, God just didn't send us a doctor. <clears throat> he sent us the guy who invented and pioneered the exact surgery that she needed to save her life. I didn't know a man of Dr. Votler's expertise and abil abilities existed, but God did, and God had him give us a call in our time of need. Today, Beth Ann's a junior at Clemson. She's going to study in Argentina this summer. She's a heck of a volleyball player. She was a state champion, doubles champion in tennis and taps 3A. She is uh, an overcomer. God wants you to be an overcomer. God has used many of you in this room to help me overcome many challenges in my life. In the, in the late 80s, I went to Bob Bledsoe's office. I had a huge challenge in front of me. Bob cleared his calendar. I got there, he shut the door. He sat me down. Do you remember the first thing you told me? You said, we're going to sit you down and we're going to count your blessings. He made me count my blessings that morning. Thank you. I don't know if Sid Smith's here, but uh, oil prices collapsed in 87. If, uh, if you were in business then, I mean, you were scrambling to stay in business. I was having to sell properties just to, just to stay afloat. Uh, one day I had to drive to San Angelo and uh, I had just sold, sold a property or sold 90% of a property that, that I had fought hard to get and I, I, it, it hurt to sell it. Sid knew it too. He called me up and said, you mind if I ride along with you to San Angelo? I said, sure, come on. We had the greatest conversation. And what he told me was, he said, Bill, don't look back. He said, forget about that property. He said, what you need to do is look forward and move on. I'm thankful. You know what? Bankers can be Christians. <laughs> In 2000, our third child, Louisa, was born. She was born with an extra 13th chromosome. That meant she was not going to live. Very tough. One morning I was in the, the nursery at Midland Memorial. I was holding her. And uh, it was very, very early. And I was feeling really low. And uh, I mean, I was in despair, really. And just wondering why. You know, why did this have to happen? Why this beautiful baby? Why was she going to die? And uh, all of a sudden I became aware of a knocking. I could hear this knocking, you know, and you're just, and I kept, where was this knocking? And I looked up at the window, and Joe and Donna Campbell were standing at the window. I mean, it's like a quarter to six in the morning, and they're dressed, he's, he's got a suit and tie on, she's dressed up. It's Sunday morning. Well, they weren't there for me. I mean, they had a new grandbaby, and they had, they had woken up early, don't know why, gotten dressed, and said, well, let's just go by and look in the window. And they saw me sitting over in the corner. And so they kept knocking. They kept knocking till I looked up. 
I mean, God knew that I needed an angel that morning. That couple was an angel for me that morning. They picked up my spirits. They oohed and odd over Louisa. It was fabulous. The night Louisa died, <clears throat> it was late. I called Bob Hauser and Skip Hedgebeth, two of my community Bible study brothers. <clears throat> Pardon me. I mean, they were there within minutes. Uh, they were there when we had to let her go to the funeral home, and they ministered to us. Uh, I'll never forget that. Jeannie and David Pitts, Tevis and Patty Hurd, two couples who had lost children. They came by our house to minister to Mary Jane and I, spent special time with us to pick us up, to help us through the loss of a child. Tough. Are you getting the picture here? God wants a personal relationship with you. Satan wants to destroy it. Mentorship. We, we help each other overcome during our times of need. John 16, says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. God desires us to be overcomers. In his strength, not ours. And he will use people like you to help make that happen for people like me in need. You're important. Get in the game. My third point is God desires you to have an abundant life. Jeremiah 21, 9-11 says, tell us, tells us that God has a plan for our lives, and it's a plan to prosper us and not harm us. Plans to give us hope and a future. Where do you start with that? Family is everything. My wife, Mary Jane. Everybody in Midland knows Mary Jane. They love Mary Jane. I'm Mary Jane's husband. How a guy like me with my past record managed to have a girl like her pick me to be her husband, that, that's truly intervention from God. We met in a singles CBS Bible study, and it was by the grace of God that I was there because I was a part of the men's study, and I didn't want to leave. Alan Myers wanted me to come and be the ATD at that single study, and I didn't want to do it. Mark Leverton, our TD, he didn't want me to leave. I mean, we had this struggle for months. But through sheer willpower of Alan Myers, I ended up going to that Bible study, that singles Bible study, and that's where I met Mary Jane. <clears throat> Even then, it took me a while to ask her out. My friend Bill Gaw who was a member of our men's study, many of you know him, he would call me up every week and he'd say, Bill, have you asked Mary Jane Davis out yet? And I'd say, well, no, I haven't. He'd go, you're stupid, and hang up. <laughs> he did that for weeks. <laughs> I finally got the message. We have four great children. You've heard about Louisa. You've, you've heard about Beth Ann. Mary Claire, our oldest, is graduated and raising uh, money for politicians in Dallas. She got started in an early age in the fifth grade. She decided that uh, she wanted to raise money for our local uh, Army Reserve unit that was serving overseas. And she came to her mom and I and said, uh, I want to have a bake sale. 
Sensing total disaster, we advised against it. But she ignored us and forged ahead, organized her fifth graders, made brochures, got everybody to bake cookies and cakes. And in one afternoon, I witnessed in about an hour and a half, they raised over $4,600. She even made the nightly news. They came out and interviewed her. She even sold a, pre uh, a cake to President Bush. She's now a Baylor graduate, Big 12 champion, was an equestrian. Uh, our caboose is Will. He's 12, 12, going on 30. Will is what, he's a miracle. I mean, we were old when we had Will. I mean, he's, he's a miracle. But he's what healed my wife. Jill, or Will, is, uh, uh, he's going to school in Dallas now. Mary Jane and I, we kind of got split households. We, uh, he has got dysgraphia, and he's mildly dyslexic, so he's going to Shelton School. So I'm commuting back and forth a lot. But he loves playing percussion. He's got the rhythm. I don't know where he got it, but he's got it. He loves jujitsu. He wants to make a million dollars being a YouTuber. The other day, he showed me his secret stash, and I was going like, Will, dude. This is a lot of money. I said, where'd you get all this money? And he said, well, he said, uh, he said, we have to clean our lockers out at school and all of my friends don't want to do it. So I do it for them and they pay me a buck. He said, it takes about 30 seconds. I said, but Will, this is a lot of money. He said, well, he said, you know, on YouTube, he said, they've got all these characters. They're really popular. He said, I draw them and I sell them to my classmates. I'm like, I like it. He said, uh, he said, oh, yeah. He said, I'm voicing characters on a YouTube site. I said, you're what? He said, yeah. He said, uh, the guy gives me a discount on all of his merchandise, and I voice some of the characters on his website. I said, what? How long have you been? He said, I've been doing this for over a year. I'm going, Will? I said, uh, I said, does he pay? He said, no, he gives me a discount. I said, Will, he's taking advantage of you. He goes, Dad, I'm 12 years old. I'm learning. <laughs> I think he's going to I think he's going to be a success. My family is my greatest blessing. I, I want you to pray for my family. Pray for our young people. Another important plan of the abundant life in God is having a Bible study to go to. Some of my CBS brothers are here uh, today. I got involved in Midland CBS right after making a decision for Christ. Everyone all of you, all of us need an arena where we can study and learn God's word so that we can build our faith. You'll associate with men like Leon Taylor. You had heard him mention Leon, Bobby Henry sitting over here, Mark Leverton, Alan Myers, Tim Dunn, Bruce Robinson, who I think spoke here. All men that will sharpen your iron. You have the opportunity to meet community leaders, Ed Magruder, Bob Bledsoe. Don Evans, Barry Beal, characters like Don Poe, like Phil Stroud sitting right there, Johnny Brown, Clayton Williams. Clayton's our, he was our best recruiter. I'd say, Clayton, how, how is it that you get all these guys to come to CBS? He'd say, Bill. they say, Clayton, why are you going to that Bible study? And he'd, he says, I'll tell them I'm studying for final exams. And they come. It still meets on Monday nights, First Presbyterian Church. I encourage you, especially encourage you young men, to attend. 
you'll learn a lot. You'll meet a lot of great people. Our business, our business is diverse and active today. I'm blessed to have Christian business partners. Jack Rathbone's my partner in the oil and gas business. Uh, we've got a lot of acreage in the sweet spot in uh, Midland Basin. We've got four rigs running right now on our properties. Uh, we have six commercial SWD sites. We've got several more uh, on the drawing board to come out of the ground. We've got a lot of customers that are seeking us out. Car wash business. Where's Denzel? There's Denzel. Denzel, my partner in the car wash business. We've got locations in North Dallas and Oklahoma. These are, these are the type of men you can pray with about your business. It's important to be yoked with the right type of people. We have investments in apartments, storage units, restaurants. All of that is well and good, and all of that is fun. But it leads to my last point, and that is God owns it all. It's good to be prosperous, but it's imperative to know that God does own it all. That everything we have, everything we do comes from God. The key question is, is what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do with the talents and the blessings that God has given you? God doesn't bless his people for big bank accounts and big houses and around the world trips. All those are fun. And I love them. But God wants us to be materially blessed to be a blessing. If you're willing to share your abundance that God has given you, your experiences, your talents, your wealth, he is going to provide you opportunities, exciting opportunities to do that. Let me share a few stories. Kyle mentioned in the mid-'80s, uh, we had a Vietnamese pastor come in here that would minister to the Vietnamese, the local town. Uh, he'd come in once a month to hold services. He would stay at Leon's house. And uh, he, he kept telling Leon, we need a Bible. He said, our Bible is old. It's archaic. It wasn't translated properly. And, uh, you know, Leon's like, everybody's got a Bible. So he went to Dr. Vestal, senior pastor at First Baptist at the time you know, what do we do about this? He said, well, let's call United Bible Studies in New York. He said, they've been translating Bibles for a thousand years. They'll know. So they did. They got a hold of Dr. Phil Stein, who was in charge of worldwide translation for the Bible Societies. He said, absolutely. They need a new Bible. He said, the Bible Societies, we've tried it several times. We have failed every time. War, politics, whatever, we failed every time. We, the Bible Societies is not going to try again. He said, I don't know where Midland, Texas is, but if you're willing, I'll come down there and talk to you about it. And so he flew down to Midland, and we had a meeting at Leon's house. Uh, I was there. Bob Bledsoe was there. Ed Magruder was there. Don Jones was there. Charlotte Ellis was there, I think, Ellis Funeral Home. Uh, he got all of us together. He said, uh, he, he said this. He said, it's going to take about 12 years of your life. He said, it's going to take $2 million. We were like, dude, it's 1986. Oil price is $9. <laughs> Where are we going to get $2 million? But he said, he said this. This was his closing argument. He said, I can help you put together a team of, of Vietnamese, Greek, and Hebrew scholars. He said, if these people don't do it soon, it'll never be done. He said, they're old. He said, there's no more seminaries in Vietnam. 
Communists have shut that country down. He said, it's got to be these guys or it's not going to be done. This is how I came. This, is, this was my path to the Lord. I mean, having a Bible that you can read and understand was very, very important to me. That's why I said yes. Our first publication was the Gospel of John. It took us two years to do that. The Vietnamese, our Vietnamese translator said it was a lack of communication. West Texas draw Vietnamese. You know, I don't know. But it took us two years to get it done. I mean, that was an eternity. I'm like, at this pace, you know, we'll never get finished. But we published, we were so proud, we published this little Gospel of John in a blue book. And uh, I've got to hurry. But uh, we published, we published 50,000 copies. We didn't know what to do. You know, uh, we just wanted to have something that we published. We got a phone call from East Germany. The Berlin Wall had come down. Had caseworkers there saying, we've got all these Vietnamese here. We have no tools to evangelize them with. Do you have, we, we saw your name on, on do, we, do, do, we, do you have anything we could use? We shipped all 50,000 of those little hideous looking paperback covered books of John to East Germany. A few months later, we got a letter from Vietnam. Translated, that letter said, oh my goodness, is there a Bible that reads like this? That was the encouragement we needed to keep moving forward, and we did. The process is this. I would take this table here, and I would sign you the book of Matthew, and you, Luke, and you, John. You would go, and you would spend a month doing your best efforts to make your first translation. Then we would come back together. And we would sit around and we'd discuss it. And, uh, and then I would give him your Matthew and you his John and say, take out your red pen, go back home, take out your red pen and edit what he's done. And then we would come back together and then we would argue. And that's why it takes 15 years. <laughs> but that was the process to get it done. Uh, as soon as we would uh, uh, print Dr. Stein, Dr. Stein used his own money for five years to, to coordinate each one of our translation projects. Every time we translated or got something done, we would print it. Four Gospels, the New Testament. Finally finished the Bible in 2002. Uh, in 2006, the Vietnamese government finally allowed us to print in country. We smuggled before that. We had a warehouse in Chiang Mai. We had a great smuggling operation. Uh, but to be able to print in country, it, it, it was awesome. Leon came to me and asked, can, can, I, can we form a Bible bank in Luisa's name? So we formed the Luisa Holmes Bible Bank. To date, we have printed and distributed over two million New Testaments and Bibles that we have distributed to Vietnamese around the world. If you are willing, God's gonna give you all kinds of opportunities. In 2007, we had Operation, 2017, we had Operation Andrew. We provided the New Testaments. All the churches of the North spent the whole year evangelizing, evangelizing. It culminated with Franklin Graham preaching in Hanoi. Four events. Uh, we didn't get, they didn't get permission to finally do that until like a couple of days before, that's how the government works, before they put it on. Uh, we only had a little decrepit, 5,000 seat arena to do that in. 
But we had a huge parking lot. They set up 20,000 seats in that parking lot. Every seat was filled for every event. At that event, we gave out over 32,000 New Testaments to, that, for people who had came and made decisions. I was an emotional wreck through that whole event. I, I never dreamed that I would see something like that, especially in Hanoi, Vietnam. It was truly an historic event, but that's another story for another day. Uh, you mentioned that we brought uh, Institute of Global Engagement, called me from Washington, D.C. They had a, a delegation coming from the communist government. Uh, they represent the Communist Committee on Re Religious Affairs. Represent, uh, they had department heads representing policy and propaganda, who sets policy. Mass mobilization, who's in charge of all local officials to make sure that they get that policy. Secret police, uh, public security, secret police, make sure that that policy is, is, is carried out. And the Protestant Affairs Department. What do you do when you have something like that? How do you overcome something like that? The Bible says by the blood of the lamb and the power of a testimony. So over a two day period, I scheduled about five round table discussions with you, people like you. Uh, and, and, and this group heard nothing but testimonies in Dallas. Then we flew to Midland here. Uh, they heard personal testimonies from people in the oil patch, women that work here. Uh, Many, some of you here gave testimonies on those roundtables. I mean, that delegation didn't stand a chance. But that's another story for another day. Uh, we have a partnership with B.H. Carroll, VBI, Vietnamese Bible Inc., B.H. Carroll, which is a, uh, an accredited American seminary uh, and First Baptist Church. I can't talk about that since we're videoing it, but uh, it is doing historic things in that country. Uh, I could go on and on and on, but let me end this way. You're not here by accident. You are not here by accident. Some of you are not sure you know Christ. Some of you know Christ and have drifted away like I did. Some of you know Christ and would like to have a deeper personal relationship. Some of you have challenges right now that are going on in your life that, that you're, you're not sure you can overcome. Some of you just want me to get this over with so you can leave. But know this, know this, know this. You have come to the right place. There are trustworthy men at each one of these tables that are willing to talk with you and pray with you about anything that's going on in your life. God desires a personal relationship with you. He desires for you to be an overcomer. But know that he owns it all. But he's willing to share it with you. All you have to do is ask. I promise you, you won't be bored. I'm going to say a short prayer, then we've got discussion time, and then I probably used up all of our time, and I'm sorry for that. But let me pray for you very briefly, and then Kyle, you can come back up. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name, Lord. Ask you, Father, to uh, be in these discussions. Be with each and every man here, Father. Just show us the way that we should go. Ask your, your blessing on each and every family here. And Lord, we lift it all to you in Jesus' name. Thank you very much for having me.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Marketplace Midland podcast. 